see it all the time. I get a guy coming down to me, he stands in the river and he tries to cast the other side of the bank. And I'm looking at him saying, right, okay. So I said, if I get you now and cross the bridge and stand on that bank over there, what bank are you going to try and cast it? And he's standing looking at his feet and he's saying, well, here. I said, exactly. I said, you're in the river. I said, position yourself, watch the river, read the river, see where the fish are. Hello and welcome to the Ireland on the Fly podcast about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland. This week we're speaking to Dan O'Neill, who guides on the River Nore to tell us more about the fabulous brown trout fishing to be had on the river. Plus Dan gives us some insights into what it's like trying to make a career out of fly fishing in this country. But first, Tom, you've come down from the high of the Orkneys and back to normality now on the carb. Yeah, back to back to normality, Dara. Yeah, back, back to them. Back to the real thing. Um, carb. But actually, it's probably fishing better than it was in May. So it wouldn't be hard to fish better, but it is. It's fishing quite well. Um, getting great conditions at the moment. In fact, the lake is rising. We've had a lot of rain. So, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I haven't been on mask yet uh, because I haven't such good fishing on, on carb. I haven't ventured up there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's been good. But um, what's, the hatch- what's hatching now this time here? The small hatch mayfly. The second hatch of mayfly hasn't been as good as it has been in other years. Um, so small hatch mayfly, a few sedge, and they're on fry as well. So it's all, you know, it's everything. But, you know, it's really good fishing weather at the moment. I remember this time, this time last year, what happened was fishing got good again in July, as it often does. and has done for the last couple of seasons. But you remember we got a heat wave about 20th of July or whatever. Anyway, we did last year. Yeah, we did. And that just killed us. But we haven't had, um, you know, it's gone the other way at the moment. And it's been really good weather. So the water rising, it's been good. So I'm enjoying it. You? Since I've been back, I've been out in the black water. Um, I lost one the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was starting to cut. I thought it was starting to come in good. Now there was, I think, one or two lads caught, caught a couple. And then actually, I'll tell you a funny one today. Yeah. I was out in the black water just for two hours. And there was nothing doing. And uh, as, as chatting to, I, I met two lads coming up, uh, up from the, uh, uh, where is it, the island stream? Mm. And I uh, didn't know them, like, uh, Eamon has gone. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't introduced himself, I hadn't introduced himself. And he goes, uh, I know that voice. <laughs> are, you, are you on the podcast? <laughs> So uh, yeah, that was gas. But uh, yeah, so it's just out of the backwater. So I'm, I'm, I'm eager. It's funny actually. The grill run hasn't really kicked in. Um, mm. And I was chatting to one of the older anglers um, today, and we were kind of wondering, like, is everything kind of being delayed because you had the drought, say in June, and has it put things back a bit in the sense of that you know because the fish that are being caught at the moment are kind of 10, 11, 12, 13 pounders. They're not grills. You know? Are you serious? Yeah, so it's oh, almost wow. as if they're the kind of the June fish are coming in late, you know. And then the other conversation we were having, we we're going, like, do you remember the way the the ocean temperature around Ireland was? You know, oh, was a couple a of degrees. When was that? A couple of weeks ago. I'm mean, kind of going, yeah. like, they're, they're not stupid. Like, you know what I mean? If the water is too hot, mm. you're not you're not going to go swimming down into it. Like, you know what I mean? So we were wondering, like, were they holding off? Like, you know what I mean? Wait until the temperature of the ocean kind of cooled a bit to make it actually manageable. Like, you know. See, of interest, I'm just asking, has it dropped? You know, have we, you know, yeah, of the ocean temperature, I would imagine, I wouldn't imagine it could drop at any great speed. It's an interesting one. Well, I haven't, haven't been reading, you know, crisis articles about it now. <laughs> you know, yeah, although the crisis seems to be hitting the med now, like, you know, so. Yeah, 
Well, That's you it. know, doesn't make headlines. Things return to normality never makes a great headline. No, it doesn't, you know, exactly. No, like, but that's not, but, I, I, it's a good point, actually. I'm wondering, but for the average temperature, maybe of the time of year, I wonder, has it gone back to normal? Sure, on the lake is back down to 15. I took it today. 15? Yeah. And what is that normal for this time of year? Naturally, it's going to fluctuate way more in a small lake rather than will off the, off the coast. Um, so I wouldn't imagine that the temperatures have dropped hugely amount, a huge amount off the coast of Ireland, but mightn't take. I don't know. That's why I'd like to find out more about it. Uh, I'm heading out. Actually, I was supposed to bring the kids out. We were supposed to head out with Richie Ryan on Friday, uh, but there's a big swell coming in. So that's I, every time I book, try and book fishing, <laughs> it gets frigging cancelled from the freaking weather. Well, wait to see, because we're having uh, we're having the Ireland on the fly annual day out. On, yeah, uh, all two of yeah. us are going. <laughs> all two of the team are going on our annual day out in Carb. It's the inaugural annual day out. So, I mean, judging on your record, I reckon the heat wave's probably going to come in about three days beforehand. Yeah, yeah, I got a call from you like the night before. Sorry, Jared, just, you know, stay at home. Yeah. This would be, this is our third attempt at it. Yeah, so oh, I'm fingers just, crossed. I'm jinx. Actually, you know, it has to come to an end. Like, so the last two times I was out fishing, I lost fish, right? Um, and then I was chatting to Billy and he was telling me he was out in, um, where was he? The Tay, I think it was. And yeah. uh, they'd had rain, the water, the river was starting to come down. So he was thinking, brilliant, great conditions. He had hooked nine fish and I think they all came up. <laughs> Oh, he's serious. And he was said, yeah, and he was telling me he's like, geez, I think I'm cursed, like you know what I mean? And but mm. he landed one anyway in the black water, like, but yeah, you start to get that feeling where you go, Oh, for God's sake, not another one gone, like you know. Mm, yeah. So um yeah, that'd be that'd be a bit too much. A couple you could handle, but uh, that's and and the, his friend that he was fishing with had landed his. All right. Okay, yeah. Gods are conspiring against me. So you're like, Oh, I'm thrilled for you. You've landed another yeah. one. Yeah. Well done, you. <laughs> yeah. Especially in salmon terms, you know yourself. <laughs> oh, no, because no, no, yeah, because that wouldn't happen in trout terms, you know, it'd be the exact same, you know. Oh, well <laughs> yeah, done, yeah. you. Yes, you have another fish there. Oh, I'm so <laughs> delighted for you. <laughs> yeah, although in fairness, when you're in the Orkneys, it didn't matter because you're all just landing left, right, and center, wasn't that right? You're all just standing, but there was a little bit of a canal competitive streak, I'd say, but going, oh, seriously, so just, yeah. just out of interest, no, who, caught, who caught the most? Have a guess. If I didn't say you, would you be insulted? No, it's not me. You can have a guess. It's Mike, Mike Keating. Mike, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mike yeah, Keating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. By Mike far. Uh, yeah, by yeah, good few. Uh, oh, yeah, I think he 15 to 20 more than the rest of us. Not more. See, that's yeah. why everybody listens to Mike on a podcast. Yeah, that's it. That's the why. That's the why. <laughs> Mike knows. Yeah, I was, I was having a battle royale with him in the boat one day, and he was 7-2 ahead of me. And I got it back to nine all, right? Yeah. And then I got into a feckin' tangle covering a fish. And he just looked at me and laughed and sped off to, I think he got it to, he got it to 13.9. Then I got it to 13.11. And then he just looked at me the last cast of day and made it 14 allowed. Yeah. Well, he's doing it with a smile on his face. Like. Uh, with a smile on his face. Yeah. yeah, but it was good. No, we did. We did every day. And it was good crack. And it'd be good bit of banter. It was very funny one day. Um, I was with Mike Shanks and uh, we were neck and neck. I got a fish and I was bringing it in. And uh, I think it was, it was, um, it was Norman, which it up and he says, uh, 
And Mike says, that, that one doesn't measure. And Norm had, had it on the seat measuring. He says, no, it doesn't. And we hadn't seen it. Either Mike or myself, Norm just picked up the cast. I had a double on and he lifted this one. But this one, well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice moment. <laughs> in your yeah. face, Mike. <laughs> yeah, in your face, Mike. Yeah. We're going to stick with Brent Trout Fishing anyway for this week's episode. And as I said, Dan O'Neill, who's uh, the guide on the River Noor. And I first asked Dan about how the fishing has been on the River Noor recently. The water's been high, but I suppose as a guide, um, like it, a lot of my uh, cl- uh, clients will say 80, 90% of them are international. Um, so when they come over here, if I show them the River Noor, if it's 0.35 on the, on the hydro data, which is generally what it is normally, or if it's 0.80, they, they don't know the difference. If they come today and it's 0.80 or 35, they don't understand that, oh, the river's a little bit high or it's a little bit low. So really, when the river gets high in March and April, I'm down hammering the banks because I need to know where the fish are when the water is 1.3, 1.4. And as a guide, that's that's a big part of my job. So if someone comes, to, if you come to me tomorrow, the river is 0.80 and I don't like the look of it, but you're dead set on catching your first Irish native brown trout. I mean, I, I wouldn't have the heart and I don't have the heart to turn around to you and say, listen, we're wasting our time. Um, I want to be able to say to you, yeah, I know exactly where we need to go. We need to go to George's Wall and there's a back eddy there and that's where we'll get our trout. If the water is 0.8, oh, it's a little high, but we'll, we'll get them. They're there. We'll get them. So a lot of it is, um, and it, it, it kind of takes me to, and Tom, look, you obviously know this guide as well, but I, I, I think of the coast, you know, I, I think of the kind of the guide's life on the coast because there's so many variables there in terms of the tide, yeah. the, the wind, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they, I, and I've been with the guides and they'll go, nah, don't like the way the wind is, is here. We're going to go to this mark. We're going to go here. It's a bit like that, isn't it? You just have to put in the errors yeah. and know exactly... That's- exactly as I tried bass fishing on the fly last year it was my first time doing it and exactly what you said happened uh we went to the, the to meet the guide the guide said listen there's a wind coming across this way uh we need to cut around the other side and do that and yeah that's the same as the river I, I look at the river could be an upstream wind we need to get out of it downstream wind we need to get out of that um so you just need to know the places and you need to know your river you need to know exactly where they're going to be you know and that's it exactly. Like you said, you need to know the water, like in terms of you need oh, to yeah. put in put in the, the hard jars. So I'm actually because like obviously for you and Carb, Tom, I'm sure you were that was a lifetime. And and do you find actually, Tom, on Carb, are you still discovering new new things um as a guide in terms of conditions and or are you pretty much got it sorted? Oh, well, I'd all, like to think all I the listeners sorted. want to know that you do have a sorted. <laughs> um and as Dan would say there, you know, and he's saying it, and I'd say it as well, you like to think you have it sorted. But, you know, you're going to get thrown up with so many different things sometimes. And you know that as well, Dan. Um, yeah. But you can only build up a certain amount of experience and, you know, play with what's what's um, put against you. Has there been any new condition or new things? No, but there will be unusual ones, you know, and ones you have to face up with. And, you know, I, I'm with you there, Dan, entirely. You know, when you have clients coming and they want to, you know, they're all keyed up and all ready and ready to go and you know you, you know and that's and that's that's the thing is you know as a guy that's your job that's my job you know and that's what you got to do and it's it's or you know it's you build you know building up the experience that you know hopefully you can use your experience i see you saying it there like hammering the banks in march and things like that and finding out about places like 
I'll often do it like kind of what you were saying there. I'll often do it on days off. I'll check, I'll check, um, I'll check areas that aren't fishing well or haven't been fished, and just to see. And quite often I'll find nothing. But the odd time, as you probably know it yourself, Dan, you'll find something, and you oh, yeah. know, I'll use that. <laughs> I keep that to myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're exactly you're you're exactly right. And and sometimes, like you said there. I'd find myself going up along the riverbank and breaking down some briars and going in and fishing a spot. And I catch one fish, I'll catch a second. And when I hit the third, I leave. That's enough. Yeah. I, I know they're there now. And I know that the river is maybe 0.40 or something. So I, I can hold that spot because as a guide, there's no point in having a trick up your sleeve. You have to have tricks up your sleeves because <laughs> you, need, you, def- you definitely need more than one. There's no point in just having a trick up your sleeve. And it doesn't come down to sometimes just patterns. It could be the area and again, the wind. So yeah, I fully agree with you there. That's kind of my pleasure fishing. Yeah, no, but I'm interested to know there as well then. I mean, how far will you travel? Like where's your base on the north? Or do you have, do, do you have a base? Oh yeah, no, I've, I've done a lot of it. Um, I've gone down through Thomastown, um, down along Inishtig, and then I go up then as far as Doral as well up, up along there yeah. not so much guiding it's kind of just fishing or maybe fishing with a friend that might need a help with some casts and sometimes someone rings me and says yeah. look i need a hand with a few casts um okay let's go where are you i'm up in dora okay i'll meet you up there we'll, we'll go there that kind of thing i've, I've actually fished the stretch of Doris, the only part of the nor i fished and it was absolutely fantastic really nice so you know i i, I and i've looked at a lot of the rest of the river going down you're very lucky You've really yeah. nice river there to work on. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, really nice. Um, Dan, tell me this. You said you're working mainly with um, international, um, obviously the guests of of Mount Julia. You know, whether it's Americans, is it generally are Europeans coming in for a bit of golf and then they do a bit of bit of fishing on the side? Is that it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I suppose recently we've advertised the fishing a little bit more, um, and I had Yellow Dog Anglin adventures out last year so we've done a kind of a deal with them now that they we're listed with them um as well so yeah basically that's what people are staying in hotel or they might look on inland fisheries ireland and find me there and talk to me about uh going down on the river but yeah a lot of it to be honest like again 80 85 percent of it would be through the hotel yeah yeah and tell me this do you have to manage expectations i'm just wondering what's the expectations of say a visiting american tourist i trying to i try to lead the session from my expectations. Um, so when someone hires me as a guide for Mount Juliet, I have a set of expectations that I want to produce to them, that I want to give to them. Um, so what I mean by that is, if they hire me to go brown trout fishing, well, then I want to go down. I want to catch them. I want them to catch their first brown trout, whether they've held a fly rod before or they haven't. Um, so I kind of, I've set my own expectations and I try and deliver that across the board. Of course, they come over and they would like to catch a fish. But I try to tend to make sure that they do. Um, with salmon, of course, it's a little bit more difficult. Um, conditions have to be right and stuff like that. But it's nearly all brown trout. When the Americans come over, it's nearly all browns. Because when they come over here, the odd time, and they say salmon. And you say, oh, well, there was a salmon run last week. They're thinking like four and a half thousand salmon coming up the river. Um, when realistically, it could have been 10. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, um, with, but it's, it's mainly trout, I know. 
in terms of the River Nore, just give, maybe give people a kind of a, an, an overview of the Nore, what it's like as a river. Um, Peter Driver, Tom, isn't that right? That's Peter Driver. Doesn't he fish the Nore? Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, Peter would be slightly upstream of uh, Mount Juliet. He's in Mullen Grange there. Um, that's where he has the shop. Uh, I talked to Peter a lot, Peter Driver, and he mentored me for my app guy exam as well. Um so yeah, it's I, I think I put him through hell when I went up there with a fly rod and stood in his front lawn and he said to me, do a couple of overhead casts there. And the next thing he done was lean back against the fence and took out a pouch of uh, old Holborn and started rolling up cigarettes. So I, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> but <laughs> he, got, bit, he got me there eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he got, he got me there eventually. Though. <laughs> um, so maybe just give us an overview of the Nor, where it rises, where is it flown into and kind of just, you know, where's the best stretches or the most popular for fishing? Like? Yeah, so it rises in the Devil's Spice Mountain. Um, it's 84 miles long. And it flows in, then it goes down through Innistique. So we're kind of in the lower reaches in Thomastown. Um, it goes on down into Innistique then and goes into New Ross and they join up then the North Shore and the Barrow join up and then they uh, they flow into the, the Irish Sea. So that's the uh, fishing wise. Um, upriver can be very good, like up around Doro where, where Tom was talking about there. The river, time, it gets a little bit narrower up along there. Um, but it's it's great. It's challenging fishing down along where we are. We kind of have it's the it widens out a little bit. The river I find, and um, there's some lovely glides and everything else. But the Nor is known for being a very good trout river. Um, and then you have the Kings that comes into it. The Dining comes into it as well, which are two fabulous rivers, and they're probably being fished quite heavily at the moment because the Nor is is actually quite high. Um, Where's the Kings actually? Where does that where is that going through? So the Kings then would come through and it comes down through Kells into oh. Henry Snag, which is just near Stonyford. And it actually flows in then on Mount Juliet water, just up from what we call Norlands Bridge. Right, right. It, it comes in there just at the Giants. It, it, it was never dredged, was it? No. 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 So um, it's as it always has been, unlike the Barrow, which you talked that you fished on, uh, but yeah. the, the, the Nor has never been dredged. No, it hasn't. No. Um, yeah, it's... it's Exactly, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, the River Nore, I fished the Barrow in the Nore, but I'd go back to the Nore every time. And even when I fished in, uh, I don't know, in Europe, I've done a little bit of fly fishing around and I always love to come back to the River Nore. The River Nore is, is where it's at for me anyway. It's your home water, so to speak. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just don't like straying too far away from it. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I know it. I like it. And yeah, something about it. And what is there um, for clubs? What's the kind of main um, fly fishing clubs on the water? So down our direction, we have we have a small club um, of 25 members. And then there's Thomastown Anglers then, which would be downstream of us. We border with Thomastown Anglers, um, which is an absolutely great club. Um, they do an awful lot for kids. Peter would be involved with that. I think uh, Taffy held an event um, not so long ago for kids, for juveniles with, in, in association with Thomastown Anglers as well. Um, and then, of course, they have their competition coming up now shortly as well. Yeah. The oh, is, that the, is that the famous that's, one? I think I've seen videos of it. Uh, yeah, you, you, you probably have. Yeah, that's the, I mean, that's gaining traction more and more as the years go on. Well, what um, is it exactly? Give, give people a, a kind of an overview of it. Yeah, so it's, um, I mean, a lot of the fishing now is, uh, it, there's 30 teams of two if I'm correct, I'm nearly sure that's what I heard the other day. So it's 30 teams of two. 
Um, they fish over two days, over a Saturday and a Sunday. There's two sessions on the Saturday and one session on the Sunday. I'm nearly sure it's two three-hour sessions on the Saturday and it's three and a half hour on the Sunday. Um, so the beats then would go from A1 right up to, I don't know the, what the last one would be, but whatever 30 is from there, I think they go A1, 2, 3, 4, 5, then it's B1, 2, it goes on that kind of way. So I give them a few beats up along through Mount Julius as well. Um, any fish then over 20 centimetres counts, they call it a measure. And you would have a steward then with each team. Um, and then they, they fish their It's absolutely, I mean, the organisation and the, um, from Peter and that and Mark and Tom, is it's just unbelievable to have it. You go there in the morning time, everyone knows what they're doing, where they're going. Um, and you just go down and fish and everyone has a great time. It's it's brilliant. It's phenomenal. Darius, Darius was on here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know Darius uh, very well. Yeah, I know Darius very well. But I actually remember the first time I saw that, uh, Tom Mylan rang me one time and he said, Danny said, um, I have a guy, he said, Darius Simkus. I said, yeah. And he said, he wants to do a little bit of fishing in Mount Juliet. And I said, okay. And he said, he's on the Irish team. And I said, oh, brilliant. Um, I said, there's only one condition. What? I want to stay with him for 45 minutes. And I said, it's not to, it's not because I don't trust him or anything. I just want to see him fish and see how he approaches it. So down came Darius, met him, shook his hands, lovely fella. He got in the river. Um, he took the, the nymph off the bottom ring, flicked it in, back, flicked it in again, bang, trout. Um, <laughs> so my phone rang just as he caught it, and it was my fishing buddy. So I said, uh, hiya. And he goes, well, did you go down with that, that Darius uh, chap there? I did, yeah. He's after catching a trout there already. He says, only on his second or third cast. So as I look back up, he had taken the trout off. He cast it in again, second cast, bang, 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 bang. And I was on the phone for about, I'd say, four or five minutes. And I said to my <laughs> friend, I said, do you know he's after having eight trout in, in four minutes? I said, listen, leave me alone. Go Get off the phone. I want to go and see what this guy is doing. Yeah. So I stood on Darius's shoulder and I was watching what he was doing, nymphing. And um, I was saying to him, like, how, how are you doing? He's just watching, watching, watching. So he said, here, take the rod. Now, when I flicked the rod with the nymphs, I just, I didn't even know where it went. It landed beside me somewhere. But he took my hand and he flicked my hand in and he was catching trout while I was holding the fly rod and he was holding my hand and he was catching trout for me through my hand. It was absolutely phenomenal. And since I, I've done a little bit of nymph. That was probably five, six years ago now. But um, I just couldn't believe it. Like, it was just, I've never seen that like it, you know. It was a bit um, but, of an eye-opener. Oh, eye-opener. Like, he was, yeah. he was just getting these fish. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And, and then I said, right, I want to see what this is about. And I started stewarding in the competition. I met other guys as well. Um, but, I mean, just to, just to see that competition. And a, a friend of mine went in at George's Wall in Mount Juliet for a three-hour session. And he had 112 trout. 112. Three hours. Like, uh, yeah, them lads are absolutely. Oh, was that over twenty cent? That was over twenty centimeters. Um, there, that was the year there was. I think it was done uh, with a couple of restrictions with COVID, so any trout counted. So right. all they done is when they caught the trout, they held it up in the air, and the the trout was counted. But um, keep right. waving. I mean, no, it is. It's <laughs> twenty centimeters. Hello. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, like one hundred and twelve feet. You're joking me? Oh but anyway, yeah, he, he done well. Yeah. Actually, just on yeah. that, what does the likes of Darius and those boys? Do better or differently? Because you think that they were catching so much when you're seeing it in action. I think you have to spend 45 minutes on the river with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's called guided services. Yeah, but um, uh, it's 
it's extremely technical um, what they do. Uh, I was watching them and, I mean, they know everything. They know the field. They know the rod. When they cast in, they know where their nymphs are in the water columns. Um, they're quick to try. They don't zone in too much sometimes like I would. I would go down sometimes for a cast and all of a sudden I realize, oh, it's two and a half hours and I didn't change my fly once. These mm -hmm. guys know time. Um, they know exactly what to do. They know how to, which is a big thing, is working the beat. So when they're given their beat, they're so good with their time. They look at their beat. They know what time they have. And as they're going up through it, just as they're finishing off, the buzzer goes. They know exactly how long they have and they're moving and they're, mm. they're watching where the fish are. They see the currents. It's, I mean, it's extremely, it's like me with casting. I do a lot of technical stuff with casting, but um, I mean, them lads are, they're extremely technical and they keep trying and keep moving. And another thing is too, as well, they listen. You know, they listen to people. They listen to what people have to say, no matter who they are. And like Darius said, you know, when he's at the Worlds and everything else and he's looking at different setups and different nymphs and then comes back here and tries it. You know, and that's that's it. It's just learning as you go. I don't yeah. think you'll ever know yeah. everything, you know. Attention to detail, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dad, tell yeah. us maybe just a bit about your own background. Um, where did you grow up? How did you get into fishing? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I grew up in Gorn in County Kilkenny and uh, my dad, I suppose... He uh, he was a lot to do with everything with, with fishing. He'd done a little bit of fishing and he started taking me along with him and we fished a barrow for perch. Um, we caught bream. I used to love catching bream and we used to use the, the bubbling fly then when the, the fly hatch used to happen and we'd go down and I used to catch small trout on the bubbling fly. But I remember one day I saw a guy at the opposite side uh, with, I now know it was a fly rod, and he was casting and I could see the line and I thought, how is he going to catch anything? The, the fish will see that line a mile away. In my innocence, I suppose, when I was seven or eight, I, I thought that the fly was tied on to the fly line. That I didn't know about <laughs> leaders or any of that kind of stuff. And I thought, Jesus, he's, he'll never catch anything. But he did anyway. And he caught an awful lot more than what I did um, when I was using the, the bubbling fly. And after, I suppose as time went along then, I, I got a job as a linen porter in, uh, well, my, my mother got me a job as a linen porter in Mount Julia Estate. It's probably about 13, 14. And I saw the river, obviously, and just off where the linen room was, there was a, a little room called the fishing room. And this fascinated me. And I remember looking in through the glass and seeing all the rods on the walls and everything else. And I, I asked my mom, I said, what's, what's that? And she said, oh, well, people go fishing here. Um, there's a guy called Matt Bulger, who's the fisheries manager. And I said, he's a what? And she said, he's a, he's a fisheries manager. I said, oh, no, no idea that was a thing. But um, one day, anyway, when I was doing my, my duties, I had a, a bag on my back carrying sheets upstairs. And as I got to the, the steps to go up, there were carpet. There was a bloody butcher caught in the, the step. So I put the bag down, took the bloody butcher out, um, went in, tapped on Matt's door, approached him and I said uh, excuse me Matt I said I found this it's a bloody butcher and he said show me that there young man so I showed him and he looked over his or under his glasses at it and he said how did you come to know he said what that was I said I, I do a lot of fishing with my dad do you he said and I said I do very good he said thank you very much so I said no problem so about I don't know maybe a week later I was walking out the front of the main house and I took a right to walk down by the river and Matt was outside pacing up and down with a mobile phone in his hand. It was probably a Nokia 3210, one of the good ones or, <laughs> or, one, or one of these. And uh, I said, are you OK? And he said, no, I'm after being let down. 
And I said, let down. And he said, yeah, I'm guiding for someone now or Gillian for someone. And I have another man coming now and the guide, the Gillian won't answer his phone. And I said, I'll do it. And he said, excuse me? And I said, I'll do it. And he said, but how will you? I said, listen, I'll, I'll manage. I know what I'm doing. I'm okay. I, I, I know enough to take someone. I'm okay. So he said, are you sure? And I said, yeah. So he brought me in and gave me a pair of wellies and a kind of a jacket thing. And I put that on. And as I came out, the man that I was to guide for was coming up. And uh, he said to Matt, he said, I booked a guide. And Matt said, yeah, there he is. And he said, this man, and I knew by the look on his face that he had fishing rods older than me <laughs> uh, or, or shoes or something. And uh, he said, uh, oh, okay, okay. So we went down to the river, but this guy, in fairness, he knew what he was doing. I would have been stuck now if it was someone who didn't, but he knew what he was doing. He just wanted someone to hold a net, I think, or take a picture. Um, anyway, I don't know how it happened. Someone was looking down at me, but he hooked a 12-pound salmon um, down in front of the main house. So I netted it for him anyway, and he was delighted with himself and everything else. And from then on, it just, I was guiding. That, that was it. I was, I was guiding from there on in. And How old were you I, then, actually? How old were you then, Dan? Four, 14, 13, 14. Around the same age as you, Tom, was it? About then, yeah. That's only <laughs> yeah. five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Serendipity though like like you said the first, and, and actually do you know what is strange Dan is um, I've heard stories of that of say people who you know became professional guides and it was like just look like that in the sense of oh I happened to be walking along and somebody didn't show up and somebody said yeah. can you you know and it's amazing the amount of times I've heard that kind of story that yeah well that's exactly it like and, and like I said it, it went on from there and then I think when I was 18 I became fisheries manager there at the age of 18. Um, too young. Um, I, I just didn't have the time. And what happened is I went off to do an apprenticeship and I couldn't balance the two. So another man took over, but it, it, it kind of disappointed me a bit because when I was doing handover, I remember walking into the fishing room and I said to the guy that was taking over, I said, look, um, you know, if next weekend I, I'm free, I'll bring you down for a cast. And he looked at me and he said, I've never had a fly rod or a rod before. I don't fish. Right. I said, well, how are you going to um, manage here? Oh, I'll just take the bookings, he says, and we'll, we'll see from there. And that kind of, it, yeah, it upset me a bit. And I kind of walked out and I kind of left for about maybe two years. And then Mount Julia came looking for me to, would I go back and start guiding? So I did in the summer. Um, and then about, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, I, I took it on, but I was in a position to take it on. Um, because I had the time and I had a little bit more knowledge that's still growing as well. So, uh, what age are you now, Dan? I'm 36 now. So, did you make a conscious decision then, like kind of in your 20s, that you know I, I want to work in fly fishing? That's that's where I want my career to be, or did it just kind of happen? Some of it just happened, but there was always a part of me that I knew I'd end up doing something in the countryside because, I mean. The, 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 the thing I remember most is I remember walking down my primary school corridor and I remember the principal coming out and calling me and saying, come here, O'Neill, he said. I said, uh, yes, sir. And he said, uh, there's no point in you just being good at nature. And I said, he said, you got 98% in your nature test. And he said, all the rest of me said are, are below 50%. And I said, oh, 98. And he goes, yeah. I said, what did I get wrong? And he didn't take too kindly <laughs> to that response. But um he said in the end anyway, he said to me, look, there's no good in being at that. But I don't know. I always had an interest with nature and I knew I'd end up working in the countryside or doing something. And when the guiding came up, 
in Mount Juliet again, I went for it and I said, no, no, this, this is what I want to do. I want to be here. Um, I'm happy doing this. And I suppose I do that most, I do that most passionately with the least amount of effort. Um, and and that's, what I, that's what I loved about. And I loved the fact as well of, of showing people and talking to people about fishing um, because it's, you know, people come over, it doesn't matter where they're from. They don't even have to speak English, to be honest, um, if you're, you're showing them how to fish because the fishing does the talking. You can stand there and you can show them the arm movements or point to where the fish are, point to your patterns, and you can go from there. You can communicate. So when did you decide then, when did you go for the app guy? You're talking about going for the app guy that was, uh, with Peter. Oh, yeah. Well, first um, so when so did you do that? Why? The reason with app guy was I know a couple of app guy instructors and I saw their ways of teaching. And I wanted to educate myself to be able to teach people quicker. Because when I get a booking with a client, I have three hours to teach them how to cast, catch them a fish, and get them a nice picture in three hours. So I wanted to be able to go down and use different analogies and, and different bits and pieces. So I, I, I went to Peter Driver. Um, I asked Peter, and after our first session, it was about an hour. Um, I knew, I said, no, this is how I need to teach people. Like he was professional, he had all the stuff. And I wanted to go down the app guy route. So I got the syllabus and went down through the syllabus, um, enjoyed it, enjoyed every single minute of it, um, of the syllabus about the flies, um, about the, the casts, reading Peter O'Reilly's books and, and other people as well. Um, I, I enjoyed all that stuff. And I just used to go out the front of my house where I used to do all my casting. But the problem I had was my casting was in October. Um, I, and I was working till five o'clock most evenings. So when I was coming along, it was dark. So I used to be out the front with a leader, which would flash like hell and cast it towards the streetlight to make sure that my line and my leader was straightening out. And I used to get the usual comments like, you won't catch any fish there or yeah, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, so yeah, all this kind yeah, of crap. But yeah. do you know what? It, <laughs> it, it, it went over my head. Now, if you look out the front, if you looked out the front in maybe November of last year, it looked like a Christmas market because you had all these red pieces of wool and pink pieces of wool <laughs> hanging out with trees and lanterns. And I since got them down, but I, I went, to, I wanted to do that. I went to, took my exam in October. I remember driving up to Dublin and I remember getting up as far as probably about putching still. And I looked over at the opposite side of the dual carriageway. And I said to myself, I'll be driving down there later tonight and I'll either have a certificate from that guy or I won't. And I was, I was thinking to myself, how the hell am I going to drive back down there if I haven't got the cert? Um, so I went up, went in, and uh, key call Pat Hughes, Ken Stewart, my casting assessors, Arthur Greenwood and Trevor Green were my practicals. And they made me feel at ease. Uh, Keith was talking to me. I went out, done my casting. That went okay. Came in and done my practical. That went okay. And I remember sitting down in the, the room and the chair um, Arthur Greenwood came back in and sat down with the lads and he said, right, congratulations, we'd like you welcome you to the committee. And something, I don't know what the hell it was, but from the top of my head to my toes, something just flushed down through me. Um, it was just a feeling I got because I had so much respect for these guys and I'd studied them so much and put so much effort into it um, that it was just, uh, I was floating on air on the way home, but I remember going out and taking a right out of Banbridge Anglin Centre and in on the left, there's a bus stop and I pulled in. And as I was pulled in, I could see Keith Cole and the lads 
driving out, but they were touching their brakes. They thought maybe there was either Southern Ridge car, so they thought maybe something was wrong or whatever. But I was actually downloading the advanced app guy syllabus um, as soon as I drove out because I, like I said to them, I had no intention of stopping now. I want to keep moving and I want to keep going and progressing. So I suppose that's when I came in contact with Glenda Powell, um, rang Glenda Powell the next day. And I said, Glenda, hi, my name is Dan, working on Julius. I have my app guy looking for an advanced mentor. So Glenda said, okay, um, let me call down to you and I'll talk to you and we'll, we'll see. So I said, right. So Glenda and Noel Fitzmaurice came down to see me. Um, we went for a chat, uh, went done a little bit of fishing, uh, which was great. Um, and she recorded a little bit for her um, newsletter and, and them kind of things. But when it all was finished, she sat me down and she said, Dan, um, how would you be like to be part of a pro team or like as an ambassador? And I was thinking, is this really happening? Like, you know, because and uh, she said, would you like, to, you know, I'm with Cadence uh, UK and I'd like you to, to come on board if that would suit you. I bring down James Robbins and let me meet you and, and see how it goes from there. And I just, again, I, I just couldn't believe that this was all happening. You know, I, I just, it was a dream come true because I'd read in magazines that, you know, Jesus, people get paid to fish. You know, people get paid to take, oh, you're joking, what, fish? Um, and Glenda and James then came down a couple of weeks later and officially made me an ambassador for Cadence UK, um, fly fishing. So, you know, you're kind of with the likes of Stevie Monney and Gordon, uh, Glenda Powell, Ray McKeeman. And when I started kind of, speaking to them and doing a little bit of casting with them. I mean, the things they were showing me and how quick they would bring me on was just amazing. But I mean, if you hear that story and you analyze that story, luck is very much a part of it. Yeah, but you make your own luck. You know exactly. what I mean? The more you um, practice, the luckier you get. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe so. But I, I'm, yeah, I just, I'm very careful with the way I receive praise sometimes too. So. Well, do you know what? I, do you know what I, I'm a firm believer in, in is um, when you're meant to be doing the right thing, that's meant for you suddenly doors open you know oh yeah like i'm yeah, a firm yeah. believer in that you know from doing the guiding at 14 you know, yeah you did the app guy then glenda cadence you know it all it all seems yeah. to just flow when it's in the flow it's meant to happen it's mm. progressions and things yeah. happen and you bump into people and people get to know you but because of the commitment you've shown to us dan and the work that you've put into it and all those times before that you probably wouldn't think of of, of us this this shows to other people. People see that. And you say you get lucky. Well, you know, I wouldn't say it's luck, but, you know, something passed you and you grasped it and you got it, yeah. you know, and that's the way to look at it, you know. And you know, yeah, yeah. Say to you, I'm saying that to you as somebody like I'm very lucky to, uh, you know, to to earn my crust, for want of a better word, through f- fly fishing, you know, and yeah. it's, um, you know, it's it's really nice to be able to do that. And um you're you're doing that now and it's great but you know you know you don't you probably don't realize all of what you put in beforehand to get to that point you know you you might be saying oh yeah but sure i was doing that anyway you were yeah but you wanted to do it yeah yeah and you worked at it you know yeah passion and hard work um go a long way to do it i'm just actually interested in the app guy um okay like so how long does it take in terms of it is it a year two years um, and what does, um, it, does it mean? Because yeah, just take me through that that side of it first. Yeah, so um, the first thing you do is you just you download uh, the syllabus, and what you would do then is you have casting 
and then you have uh, you learn the different fly groups and different bits. So you'd want you'd, you would definitely want 12 months, 12 to 18 months even. I would definitely give myself the, the longer side of, of it, maybe to 18 months, because I was never very good at like talking to people or in front of people. And I was kind of ha- when I read I had to do a presentation in front of people, I was a little nervy um, about it. And then I was looking at the fly groups and I was looking at all this casting and, you know, I I taught Jesus. And what I done is I went and I learned with the casting uh, with Peter. I went out, put the hours in, got the casts, got the other bits. And I remember then a uh, guy, uh, Pat Hughes, said to me, it's well and good, he said, you can cast. And it's well and good, he said, you can do all those casts. But he said, can you teach him? And I looked at him and I thought, uh, okay, back to the drawing board. So I went back and tried to work on different analogies for people, um, different analogies for children um, when they're younger, like ring the, the school bell, you know, to slap the rod high, ring the bell and all that kind of stuff. But the app guy uh, syllabus was probably the most interesting thing I've ever done. And it was definitely the best step I've ever taken um, in fly fishing, I found. Wasn't that very close of what Pat said to you? You know, it's all very well being a good caster. You yeah, yeah. You know, it's all very well, you know, all of that. But what yeah. he said was very true. It is. And yeah. like, and once more, I say to you, what did you do? What was your response to that? You went back and you worked on it. And you worked on different analogies. So, you know, Blank piece of paper, back to the drawing board. <laughs> this luck you're talking about seems a bit more <laughs> distance all the time. Right? You know? <laughs> I'm starting to see that myself now as well. <laughs> I have to say, I learned uh, spade casting from Glenda. Um, oh, and yeah. she's a brilliant teacher. Um, because and I'd always say to anybody like you know just you know find a find a qualified um, casting instructor yeah. to learn from, and in my my case with somebody like Glenda was that they could look at your casting and she'd go, do you know what you need to move your thumb yeah. half an inch, you know what I mean, little thing like that, and suddenly you're like, how the hell did you see that? Like you know, and it's yeah, just oh, yeah. been able to show you that, like you know. Um, yeah. the other thing question I want to ask you on that Dan is, say for would you recommend going through the app guy? even if you don't want to be an instructor, but just to improve as a fly angler in terms of improve your understanding, improve the technical, improve the mechanical, it, would you recommend that as going through that? Like? Yeah, most definitely. Um, because you're, you learn casts for windy days, you know, and different things. So it's just, there's a safety aspect of it as well. And also you mentioned earlier about opening doors. Once you go into an association like that, it's like being in with a group of friends or a group of brothers. If I ever have any questions, even if it's not casting related, it could be something to do with what I'm going up to the north of Ireland next week and I'm fishing such and such a river. Um, What fly works there? Someone will know someone. I'll be able to give Pat a text and he'll text someone else. So, I mean, if if you're looking to further your career in fishing or even if you're looking to advance as a person or just kind of put yourself across as being professional and and that i would definitely go and, and do app yeah definitely what was your presentation on just out of interest uh i done a presentation on the salmon that was it salmon i, I done it on so i done it on uh it was like um with the fish farms and different bits you had eight minutes exactly eight minutes to do it and like arthur said to me when i started he said uh now we have eight minutes the next man coming on behind you is on an extre- in an extreme hurry. So you have to be on eight minutes or he's going to be given out to you. So I was there nervously trying to glance up at the clock without him seeing me. But 
no, it, it was, and the other thing as well is all your knots. You know, you do all the different knots. To, like when I get a fly line now, I cut the loop off, the welded loop, and I use the needle knot. So I would uh, thread the needle up to the bottom of the fly line, maybe an inch, and then do a, like a, a nail knot, we'll say, on a den. But I find that the turnover is far superior um, to a welded loop. You get a latch effect, I think, with the, with the welded loop, you know. You sound hungry to kind of keep progressing and progressing as far as possible. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. When I'm gonna do the, I'm in the. I'm doing the studying the portfolio for uh, GAIA at the moment. Right. Uh, Gaia. Um, I, I have that What's there. That now? It's the Game Angling Instructors Association. Um, so I just want to be a part of that as well, and then move on to their advanced level, and then do the advanced in App Guy, and then move on to IFF as well at some point, and then eventually get my MCI. The way I see it is that when you do a syllabus uh, like AppGuy, it becomes addictive. Um, so when I done the AppGuy syllabus, it was addictive. And I done it over the winter, which helped because I fished maybe up until the end of October. So when I was studying the syllabus, I was keeping myself sharp. But it, it's a massive interest and it's broadening your horizons. And like you said earlier on there, again, about doors. When I passed um, App Guy, I walked through the App Guy door and there was six more doors there. And when I walked through those six doors, there's going to be more doors there. And you get to learn and know more people. And it just, even with fly fishing, even for areas to fish, like Ian Gordon is up on the Spey. Um, Glenda has the Blackwater. Stevie has some rivers up that he can fish up in the north. So if I ever want to do, even if I want to do grailing fishing, I can ring James Robbins. James, yeah, how are you? Good. Listen, I'm looking for some grailing fishing for me and my 10-year-old son. Yeah, no problem. Uh, here, ring this guy. And it's all about that, you know. Do, do you uh, get much fishing done yourself as well now, Dan? Are you so busy with the garden? My fishing really is, again, it's, it's searching for places to bring clients, mainly. Um, that's my pleasure fishing. Um, but to be honest with you, for me to catch a fish is it's brilliant. I, I love it. But to see someone else catching one is 10 times more. It means more to me than that. Else. Now, I do a little bit of fishing with my son, Anthony. He's 10. Um, I brought him down to our Dare Springs, actually, at the, the spring fair. He was fishing yeah. in the lake there and he was catching plenty of trout. He, he, he enjoyed that, but he likes fishing for tenched. The lake at the, at, the, at the fair was fantastic for kids, wasn't it, Stan? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was there for both days and it was just absolutely, it was just phenomenal. It was great. And it was great to see so many kids' interests. Every time I look back, the yeah. queue was getting longer, which was great. You know? Yeah, I, It's where I'll always try and bring the, my kids um, because, you know, like I always say, they're standing there and they can see the fish. Even just seeing yeah. the fish is just, you know, yeah. the excitement in itself. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? Then catching them then is the next bit. Like, actually, um, before we move on to our final question, um, I want to ask you, Dan, because um, it is fascinating hearing you talk about the kind of the, the casting and kind of how enthusiastic and passionate you are about it. Any kind of tips for people in terms of general kind of what you see when you're dealing with, not with absolute beginners now, maybe just people who are, you know, fishing, um, but maybe yeah. just a couple of tips in terms of what people yeah. should be looking out for to improve. Brilliant. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you asked that. Um, because I actually had that written down on my notes. To, Asking for a friend here, of course, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aren't we all? But um, listen, the, the number one thing, there's two things that get me with people casting. The first thing I would do is generally people use generally uh, a, maybe a nine foot leader. 
Okay, so you're using your, your nine foot leader. Okay, we'll, we'll work with nine foot. So what I would do is I would rip off, I would pull out, we'll say, from the reel, 21 foot of fly line. And I would mark it with a black marker. Okay, and that now is my, that's my safe zone. So that's what I want to cast with. So if I'm a beginner, that I know that that's 30 feet and I practice with that distance. So I practice with my 30 feet. I get to feel what it feels like for the rod to load. I get to know my rod better. And again, I know it's 30 feet. Now what you get some people doing is they go down with their rod at first. They rip off all this fly line. They have absolutely no idea how much is out. They're trying to do a cast and they're thinking to themselves, what's going wrong here? I was getting this perfect the last time. Well, you have an extra nine foot of line out. So what's happening is when you come back, your pause is not long enough, allowing your line to straighten behind you. But when you see this black mark at there, you know there's 30 foot of line out there and you can you can make your casts and you can uh, you can do your casts. That's definitely one. And then again, like I said, get to know what your rod can do. Get to learn the rod, get to feel the rod. The next thing is then as well, I see it all the time. I get a guy coming down to me. He stands in the river and he tries to cast the other side of the bank. And I'm looking at him saying, Right, okay. So I said, if I get you now and cross the bridge and stand on that bank over there, what bank are you going to try and cast in? And he's standing <laughs> looking at his feet. And he's saying, well, here. I said, exactly. I said, you're in the river. I said, position yourself. Watch the river. Read the river. See where the fish are. Sometimes you make a 45-foot cast, or if you want to make a 50-foot cast, you're after scaring the fish that are at 30 feet, which have bolted forward and scared the fish that are in front of them. And now the closest fish to you is 75 feet away. You know, so like I said, the main the, but the main one would be if you buy your rod first, mark your line so that you have 30 feet out and do your do your casting with that and just get to know what it feels like for the rod to load. Let bring the rod back, stop it in time, and just feel to get those feels at 30 foot. And, and like you always say, is it I think as well as learn how to cast better with the 30 foot. Oh yeah. Cast yeah, the yeah. 30 foot well. You know, you're exactly. rather than trying to struggle with 45 feet, like because at least you're going to be yeah. fishing well within the 30 feet, like, and that's what most important, like, yeah, and exactly having that mark on it as well is important again because when you go in the river, then you still know where your 30 foot is and you get comfortable with that. And then you can learn to put maybe an aerial mend into it at 30 just gently and gradually you can, you can move out slowly. But to go down there and just rip off blindly some line and see a fish rise, absolutely no idea how far away it is, and then. They've bought a pair of waders for 400 quid and they're standing on the edge of the bank trying to fire 50 feet of line. You, you have to wait, just be stealthy when you get into the water and, and use them, you know. But yeah, marking the line, I say that to absolutely everybody I, I take out first is mark your line, yeah, definitely. No, that's, that's really good, really good, uh, really good stuff, man. Right, uh, listen, uh, before you go there, just one thing we want to ask you. We ask every guest on the show and um, yeah. you're, you're aware of this question coming up, but... Uh, Question I'm going to ask you is, what is your most memorable fish on the fly? My most memorable fish on the fly was actually recently. Um, Stevie Munn sent me down a fly rod. He said, here, try that. He said, see what you think. So, of course, I had to go. I, had, I told my wife, I, I have to go. Stevie Munn has told me I have to go fishing. I have to go fishing. So I went down to the river and I said I was going to wet fly fish. So I was swinging wets with it, um, just doing a few roll casts, different bits. And... I found that there wasn't many fish rising. So I said, what I would do is I would tie a two mil bead onto the end of my wet fly, maybe two feet, just to get it down in the water a little bit. So I cast out, nothing, cast out again. All of a sudden, bang, line went tight. 
rod little bend in the top of it and I lifted in. The rod went straight over. I felt a couple of little tuds and it just took off. And the first thing I thought was salmon or drills. Something was grabbed at or sea trout or something. So I was fighting this fish, fighting this fish. Five, six minutes passed, seven minutes passed, eight minutes passed. No sign of it. Still there, pumping. So I looked up in the bank and there's three people standing there with camera phones recording me and taking pictures and saying, oh, well done. It's great. It's brilliant. So I ended up having to follow the fish. So I was following the fish down got up on a rock, followed it down, ended up in front of the White Bridge, which was 100 metres away. I thought, this is the fish of a lifetime. I cannot wait to land this. So I looked up and a friend of mine was there. I said, listen, will you get the net and get the camera? Yeah, no problem. So eventually, anyway, uh, the fish, I got a little bit of line in on it. The fish came closer and I saw it turn. And what was it? It was a brown trout hooked in the dorsal fin and about six inches long. And that was my most memorable fish on the fly. Don, fair play to you for admitting it, I have to yeah. say. Well, of yeah, course, that, that it was my most, most memorable. memorable it's the most memorable, and it's one you'll never forget. And, and it's on no. video as well. <laughs> and, yeah, and I'll never, I'll never forget the embarrassment and trying to look up at the other people, and I, I could feel them laughing, so... <laughs> uh, Don, fair play to you, in fairness. Like, that's... Excellent. It's happened to us yeah. all, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, it, it has at some point. But listen, it would have been worse if he got away and I didn't see him. Yeah. Because I would have been probably still crying, thinking about this big seven or eight pound trout I lost when it was really only a small one. But anyway, look, it gave me a great fight and the, and the rod worked well. So <laughs> Yeah, you can thank Stevie <laughs> for that. Like, <laughs> Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Um, and, you know, even just finding out about your career, best to look for the future in terms of the guiding, the instructing, um, you know, your passion and enthusiasm for it and, you know, the casting side of it. The app guy, actually, yeah, it's something to look into if people are, you know, interested maybe just in maybe taking your angling career just a, another kind of step or giving it another layer might be something um, of interest to people. Yeah, and look, um, my details are on the Inland Fisheries website. So if anyone has any questions, my email and phone number is there any time at all. If it's to do with fishing, I'll gladly talk about it. There's no problem. <laughs> and do you guide um, all across the, like if people are looking to fish on the north? Yeah, exactly. Anywhere, anywhere at all. Just give me a ring. Um, sometimes in the winter then I do a little bit in Southern County. Um, we have Cadence Open Day coming up in August in on the River Noor. I think it's the 22nd. And we might have one up in Gary Hill as well. Um, Southern County Fishing Lakes. So. Brilliant. Well, look, people can find your details anyway on the, like you said, on uh, fishinginireland.com. Dan O'Neill, um, best of luck for the rest of your career with it and uh, tight lines for the season. Dan, thanks very much. It was great to have you on. It was really good. Thanks a million. You too. And thank you very much for having me on. Our thanks to Dan O'Neill for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the Ireland on the Fly podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Plus, you can keep up to date on IrelandOnTheFly.com as well as on Instagram. And myself and Tom will be back with another episode about the people and places of fly fishing in Ireland.